We're going this morning again back into the book of Hebrews. I didn't realize I was going to go as far. I just was going to start with a verse or two there and go somewhere else. But I can't get away from it because the Lord won't let me. I ain't been trying to beg him to get where he is. I just try to let the Lord direct me and lead me. I'd rather be where God wants me as to be somewhere just trying to impress somebody with something. You don't, you don't impress many people with the Word of God anymore, so I, I'm not doing that. I have to do something besides give the Word of God if it impresses people. Amen. And you do that, then you're missing the will of God. God said God, He chose through the foolishness of preaching. And the world thinks it's foolishness. And most church members think it's foolish. I'm serious. That just simply means uh, that they're not right with God. And it means that they're, they're lost. But we're going back to the book of Hebrews. I want you to see with me out of the first chapter. We're not going to get very far today. And uh, I just want you to see what we need. Now, Hebrews, and I believe you'll think about it. Just think on this just a minute. How many times down through life have you heard the book of Hebrews preached? If you have, it's been like the 11th chapter, the faith chapter, the hall of faith chapter, things of that nature. But Hebrews, I found out, is a book that's not preached as often as some of the other books. You remember I told you, what the Old Testament book is, and you said it about two times now, uh, what's the Old Testament equivalent of Hebrews? Leviticus. How many times do you hear Leviticus preached on? Actually, it's a dull, dead book, if you'll look at it. And I don't mean that in a bad way. And I'm not going and criticizing the Word of God. Because the book of Leviticus is very important. And we just don't like to hear the subject of it. That's what it is. Uh, people don't like to hear about animals dying and sacrifices being given uh, because it recognizes uh, that there has to be a, a sacrifice for their sin. And every one of those point to the Lord Jesus Christ coming and dying on the cross of Calvary. So he, Leviticus is a, he, is a prophetic book of the Christ to come, his death, his burial, and his resurrection. Now, Hebrews, on the other hand, uh, has given us a fulfillment of the book of Leviticus. And we get over there, you don't find too many wanting to preach out of it. Uh, just a verse here and there. Just a chapter here and there. Every now and again. On the things that they can ruffle feathers on some and not teach them anything. But the book of Hebrews has some purpose for it being written. Now, I believe I can kind of sum it up like this. Paul, I believe, and I've preached this for ages, that he is the writer. He's not the author, but he's the writer of the book of Hebrews. If I, my memory serves me correctly, of all the 13 books, besides this one, this is the 14th one, but all the other 13 books of the New Testament that Paul wrote, Every one of them begin with the word Paul. You'd search it out, except the book of Hebrews. And Paul is saying now, of all the statements I've made to Coloss, the letters I've wrote to Corinth, the letters I've wrote to Rome, 
the letters I've wrote to Thessalonica, Philemon, and the Ephesian believers, and all those. I want to sum it up and start off the book of Hebrews with God. You see that? And you remember, you'll look at that, I believe you'll find that that's the last book of Paul's writings. Amen. We find James and Peter and John and Jude, but uh, Paul has summed up all his letters. That is, isn't that amazing? Just to think on those things this morning. So I want to say that the purpose of the book of Hebrews is set forth here in the Word of God. And I'll give you the purpose. It's kind of a twofold purpose. And uh, we'll see it. And I'll show you some things that I believe we need to see today. And that is the first uh, one is to show us out of the book of Hebrews the divineness and the deity of the Lord Jesus Christ. If you don't count Christ as divine, and we've got many that don't. A lot of preachers don't count him as divine, don't talk about his divinity. We talk about Christ like he's an everyday word. Uh, some people can hear him uh, start to say preach, but cuss in the name of Christ. They'll take Jesus' name in vain. They take God's name in vain, and it don't seem to bother them. That bothers me. You start lowering the Savior, lowering God. And I want to tell you something, it disturbs my soul. It disturbs it. Brother, I don't want to be around that kind of crowd. I just try to get away from it. And so that's the one thing it's wrote for. And then Paul's wrote it for another reason. That is to show the superiority of Christ. He wants to, out of the book of Hebrews, preach Christ, exalt Christ. And exalt the excellency of Christ. That's a problem we have in America today. We can exalt a preacher. We can exalt a president. We can exalt a politician. We can exalt a doctor. We can exalt a, a, any kind of person over Christ today. And we do it on a constant, regular basis. But Christ needs to be exalted above all. He's the first one we ought to go to when we got problems. He's the first one we ought to go to when we got trials. He's the first one we ought to go to when we got sickness. Amen. Christ. Amen. I'm not saying you don't exhaust your resources. God may tell you what else to do, but I want to, every time I have a problem or, or even a thought or something I can't solve, I first go to Christ. Can you imagine this morning? Me being your pastor, and you ask me a question, I'll say, all right, I'll, just, I'll come back to you next week because I've got to see the potentate. I've got three preachers that I'm going to call, and I'll go by what they say. Now, what kind of respect would you have for me? I'm telling you this morning, you ask me a question I can't answer, I may tell you I'll get you an answer. But the first one I'm going to is God. If God can't give me an answer, you're not going to get one from me. Amen. I'll let you go to him and work it out. But you're saying, what are you trying to do? Bypass everything? Look, you don't have to, you don't have to come to me for uh, all everything. You can go to the Lord. 
But I'll tell you, it's good that you'll have some help. But go to the Lord first. And you may not, I go to the Lord first. And guess what? I don't get the answers right away either sometimes. Amen. I don't know anybody, but they some that think, boy, I'll tell you right now, I'll give you the answer on anything. Yeah, they might give you anything too if it's an answer. But I'm, I want to look at this. So we see out of the book of Hebrews, and I'm going back over verses 1, 2, 3, and 4, and I guess a summar, summarization of these first four verses. And I want to show you what he's doing in the book of Hebrews. Paul uh, is telling us this. Firstly, all he's going to show us that he's superior over the angels. Over the angels. I know a lot of people that bow to angels. I know a lot of people that have exalted the angels. But you never exalt one of them over Christ. He is ahead, above, all above the angels. Remember, angels are created beings. Christ is not a created being. He always has been. He's a deity. He's divine. He has always been and always will be. Now, did you get that? We're going to take it slow. I want this in our heads. What I'm teaching today is something I've wanted to teach for the last three days. Couldn't hardly wait to get here this morning. I thought I was never going to get here. Amen. And studying off of it in the message this morning as well. But I'll tell you, we need something from God's Bible. Amen. You don't need nothing from me. I can't help you. But I can give you one that can. I can give you a book that can help you. So we find that Christ is superior. And he's over these. He's superior to the angel. There's not an angel this morning higher than Christ. If there is, uh, you'd, you'd say that all the angels, well, Lucifer probably thought he is qualified to be, and he got thrown out of heaven. And he's caused havoc to the rest of the human race. Amen. Angels. Remember, Christ is above and ahead, on top of, and superior to all angelic beings. He's superior to the seraphim. He's superior to the cherubim. There's none higher than Christ. Have we got that? Or do I need to hammer on that some more? Praise God. He's above it all. So Hebrews is written, and we're going to study that a little bit. It's written not only uh, to show us the divineness and the deity of Christ, but also to show us the superiority of Christ. The second one, and I, 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 we'll talk about it in this. It's not here in front of us now. But you'll find out he's superior and over Moses. I hear so many people talk about Moses. You hear me preach on Moses. But no time in my life have I ever exalted Moses higher than God. Higher than Christ. Moses preached Christ. He preached God. He revealed him. And Moses, he is a great man. The meekest man on the face of the earth. But you know what? He's not higher than God. He's not higher than Christ. Amen. Praise God. I'm just talking about that. I, I see in the book of Hebrews that Christ is superior to the law. 
I hear so many, these people today ready to die trusting the law. They're looking at the law to save them. But the law can't save them. Christ is superior to the law. He is. Amen. The law, it's a schoolmaster to bring us to Christ. Moses was the man that wrote, not, not authored it, but wrote the law to get us in knowledge that we're a sinner and show us a Savior. But the law was not superior to the Lord Jesus. Amen. And we'll study that as we go through this book of Hebrews. Not only that, but we'll find that Christ in the book of Hebrews is superior to the Old Testament priesthood. Amen. I hear about that. You know, we got people today that run to a box and uh, quote a few things and uh, try to confess their sin behind a box and pay penance and all this kind of thing for certain sins. Isn't that something? That you could think a man can hear and take it before God and you get forgiveness or either that you can put it in the hands of Mary, the Holy Mother, and she can forgive you. Now that's what the devil has made people believe and we got people that are going to hell with, those, with the knowledge of those things that they think have got them straightened out. But Christ is above all the uh, things that's done. And he's the priest. He's the priest of all priests. He's the high priest. He's the great priest. He's the great priest. Amen. And so we find in the word of God that Christ is superior to all the priests. And he's above the priesthood. Now, he's made us priests and kings. This is a little thing sometimes that you know, God's people in the church don't even know. We're not like Christ, supposed to be, but we are priests. Amen. We are priests and kings. God has made us that way in this walk of life. Not only is he superior to all that, but he's superior to all the sacrifices that was ever offered in the Old Testament. He's the chief sacrifice. He's the supreme sacrifice. He's the great sacrifice. He's the sacrifice of all sacrifices. Seated at the right hand of the Father is the priest. He has paid the price for every man, every goat, every kid, every uh, lamb that was offered. Amen. And the priest laid his hands on the head and transferred, so to speak, the sins to the people. When he sliced the throat, caught the blood, sprinkled it in the mercy, on the mercy seat, it was just pointing to the Lamb of God that would die on the cross of Calvary and the, as the supreme sacrifice. So he is in, by the way, the end of all sacrifices. You have nothing to offer today but yourself. We don't have to get a bullock, a goat, a lamb, uh, or any of that nature. We don't have to do that because there's no need in it anymore. Christ has come. Now, the Jews, they don't understand that, and they'll go back to that. But we'll see this morning, out of the Word of God, that Jesus is the end of all sacrifices. Matter of fact, if you'll get down to technique, just be technical with it, He's the fulfillment. Of every lamb, the fulfillment of every goat, the fulfillment of every turtle dove, of the fulfillment of every pigeon, 
of the fulfillment of every bullock that's ever been offered. When one is offered, all it done was showing that there's something or someone in our case going to come and take the place of that lamb that's just been crucified or killed and sacrificed. And he's going to come and die on the cross. Don't that make you feel good? Praise God to know he's a supreme of all of it. Praise God. He's a sacrifice of all sacrifice. Now, I'll give you something else. The book of Hebrews tells us and shows us that he is superior to uh, the old covenant. All of it. The Old Testament. He's superior to the old covenant. Or the old testament. Amen. And he's brought in the new testament. Amen. Now we get to the book of Hebrews. I find some things in the book of Hebrews. That will kind of help you. It's a book of promises. All the way through. Amen. He tells us there's promise after promise after promise. On the pages. Did you know the way Leviticus was? Give us a sacrifice. And it told us. Uh, give us a. Uh, a heart full of promises that when he come, amen, he'd be our redeemer. When he come, he'd forgive us of our sin. When he come, he'd be the light of the world. When he come, he would be the supreme sacrifice. And then we get to the New Testament, we look back, we find that everything they prophesied in the old has come to pass in the new about Christ. Except a few things that still yet in the future, and they're going to happen soon. Ain't going to be long. Thank God for that. And I look at it. So it's a book of promises. Not only is the book of Hebrews a book of promises, but it's a book of warnings. He warns us out of the Old Testament. Amen. He even, I was just thinking about it. Let me see if I can find that. The Bible said in Hebrews 2, 3, How shall we escape if we neglect so great salvation? which at the first began to be spoken by the Lord and was confirmed unto us by them that heard him. I mean, what did John say? Who hath warned you to flee from the wrath to come? And then Christ come along and preached it too. And now he said, how are you going to escape if you neglect so great salvation? Amen. He didn't say nothing about baptism there. Amen. It's not baptism going to get you in. Salvation, the redemption of the Lord. It's a book of warnings. It's a book of promises. It's a book of revelation to the believer that sets forth and gets us ready for the glory of Christ. Amen. We need to give him glory in everything and all things. And I appreciate this this morning that he is uh, the Christ of all Christ. Amen. Now we need to look at this and, and see it. Amen. And I told you a while ago that Paul starts off with the right word, God. Just like the Bible starts off, in the beginning, God. Now, you know what's happened? Uh, when we look at things, we see the problems we've got. When we look at things, we see the trials we have. When we look at things, we look at men. When we look at things, we see turmoils. We see the customs of the day, and that's going on. But as I said a while ago, we need to look at God or Christ first. Right? Amen. That's what I'm trying to get at today. I want to say to you this morning that we are living in the last of the last days. 
Now, I don't know where the last days started. They've been around for a while. Paul called them in his day, and that's been almost 2,000 years ago. And I do know that about every 2,000 years, something takes place. It was 2,000 years from the time that man was made until the flood came and took them all away. Then uh, it changed, and it was about 2,000 years from the time that uh, after the flood till and God given the law until Christ came, born of a virgin. And it's been just a wee bit over or right at 2,000. I don't know how they got to time. Uh, there's a little controversy on the time, and God's got that properly set so. He don't like date setters and told us it won't work. He's the only one that's got the time. I don't waste my time trying to tell you when he's coming, except he's going to be on time. Amen. He sets forth all that. And uh, it's been another 2,000 years. So the Bible said one day is 1,000 years, and 1,000 years is one day in the book of Peter. So it ain't been but about six days. On the seventh day, God rested when he made man in six days, and then he rested. And we're looking for that other 1,000 years when we have a millennium. Amen. So we're getting close down to the thing. Amen. It ain't going to be long. Can't be long till the Lord comes. We're living in the last days of the last days. I believe that with all my heart. Would you take your Bible and go to Deuteronomy chapter 18? Take your Bible, go to the book of Deuteronomy 18 and turn to 17, verse 17. Deuteronomy 18, 17. I want you to see this. The Bible said, God, who at sundry times and divers manners, amen, what it said? He said, spake in times past unto our fathers by thee, what's this word? Prophets. Now, you're not in Deuteronomy. I, I, I mean, I'm in, not in Deuteronomy. I'm still out of Hebrews, but I just read you the verse, one. The reason I do is because I want you to see this in Deuteronomy. And the Lord said in verse 17, Deuteronomy 18, said unto me, they have well spoken that which they have spoken. Look at verse 18. I will raise them up a, what's this? Prophet. I will raise them up a prophet from among their brethren like unto thee. Now this is preached back in the days of Moses. The Israelites had not seen Christ. Isaiah had, he come along and prophesied him. And the others prophesied him all through it. The prophets did. Like unto thee and will put my words in his mouth. And he shall speak unto them all that I shall command him. Now, he did. He came to this world. Jesus is the prophet of all prophets. John the Baptist you know, was preaching. And they came to John the Baptist. They said, are you that prophet? Reckon where they got that. Deuteronomy, they had the law. That's all they had. Uh, are you that prophet? Are you uh, prophet Isaiah? Are you the prophet Jeremiah or Jeremy? And, uh, and, he, and he tells him no. And then you remember John, uh, Peter later, he said, uh, whom do men say that I am? He said, one says you're Jeremiah, one of the prophets. Remember that? But now, Peter, you tell me who I am. He said, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. 
Now, what about that? Praise God. Everything all played out. So the Lord said in John in Hebrews 1, God who at sundry times and in divers manners spake in times past unto the, unto the fathers by the prophets. Now, he spoke that. But now he goes on down and said, Hath in these last days spoken unto us by his Son, which is Christ. You see that? Amen. It's so plain, and I thank God for it this morning. I do. I realize that. Now, Christ is our representative of God's grace. Matter of fact, he is God's grace. He's our representative of heaven. He's our representative of God the Father. He's our representative of redemption. He's our representative of the forgiveness of sin. That's what he is. He's not our representative, but he's our head. The Bible said he's the head of the church. He's the head of the body. Amen. That means he's the head of a you and me. And Hebrews is trying to get him and get you to see and get me to see that Christ is superior. It makes it easy when you look at it like that, don't it? Amen. Hebrews is doing, that's what Paul's doing to us in the book of Hebrews. Trying to let us see that we've got a Savior, a Christ, a Lord tonight, today, that is real. And we ought to trust him with all our heart, all our soul, all our mind. He's not only the head, but the Bible teaches us he's the bridegroom. Church is the bride. Christ is the bridegroom. Now, he's the head of the church, and I told you that a while ago. But not only just the church, which is the bride, uh, we have a Savior today that's, we are espoused or uh, engaged to the Son of God, if you will. Hallelujah. What a great time uh, it is to be that. I appreciate the Lord. But now, again, how much time I have? All right. Let's go to verse number four of Hebrews chapter one. Hebrews chapter four. We're going to start. I, I, that was introduction. So now we'll go look at what I wanted to look at here. The Bible said, and I already mentioned it, being made so much better than the angels. See, Paul's trying to get us superior. See, Christ is superior to the angelic beings. Amen. I'm to, somebody said, I seen an angel. I heard an angel. You sing like an angel. You look like an angel. You act like an angel. Amen. But I want to tell you something. Angels are not what we look. And the Bible also said, you know what? You're, you're entertaining strangers. Amen. Because they could be angels unawares. Right? Amen. Sometimes somebody said, oh, if I seen an angel, I'd know it. Ain't what the Bible says. Amen. Amen. I, I've heard them say, uh, my wife's an angel. She harps all the time. But that's not, not to, that's just taking and making light of the Word of God. Amen. I may have done it down through the years, but I wouldn't want to say that about my wife or any other, uh, any other angel. I mean, any other lady. Amen. You with me? I'm saying to you this morning, as we look into the Word of God, that Paul is trying to tell us that he's superior to the angelic beings. So he says in verse number 4 of Hebrews chapter 1, being made so much better, better. I don't like to tell people that one's better than another. As a matter of fact, that's what society gets us in trouble for sometimes. 
We're not to think one person's better than another because we are equal in the sense. And the world takes that. But you know, God has a different feeling about things than you and I do. Let me tell you something. Some of us may think we're a better Christian than somebody else. But you know what? I don't care what people think about me. I just want God to look down and think I'm better. And you say, God won't do that. Oh, God will. Do you think God would would uh, today draw back his blessings on somebody that honors his word and follows his word and does his word and obeys his word and is obedient to the word of God and then somebody's accustomed to swearing and carrying on and living like the devil himself? Do you think God will make a difference in them lives? Do you think he does? I know it does. There's a lot of people could have a lot better and could be in better shape spiritually today and they are actually thinking they're gaining because if they if give, they don't do these certain things they do certain other things and they're hanging on good to God with one hand and the devil with the other hand and they believe because they have a little love for the world that if they hang on to the Lord with this hand he'll let them get by with some of the other stuff that they're hanging on to. And we've got multitudes in our churches living like that today. Yeah. You can preach to them. I've preached, listen, ladies and gentlemen, I have preached for over 50 years. You know what I find today more than anything else about preaching the Word of God? You can preach it strong and straight, and everybody says, I love it. Just keep doing it. Preach on. I like it. But I know good and well they're not going to do it. Fifty years I've been preaching the straight things of God. And people just run to, it's kind of like, okay, I didn't like that. Amen. Oh, I like that point. Oh, I don't care for that. Ooh, that hits deep. I can't do that. You understand what I'm saying? Well, it got quiet, didn't it? I don't even hear no rushing the paper now. You understand what I'm saying today? Now, you believe God's going to bless that? Our churches are going to have to be on fire. They're going to have to see more than a building on the side of the road. They're going to have to see some lives that are living what this book says. They're going to have to hear us speaking like this book speaks. They're going to have to see us walking like this book walks. They're going to have to see us witnessing like this book tells us to. They're going to have to see a good attitude about us. You hear me? So we're looking at this. We'll see it today. Christ is better than the angels. He's above the angels. He's better than the angels. Matter of fact, he's better and greater and higher than all. He's not higher than the angels. Let me tell you something. The angels are the created beings but we are worse than the angels too. We're created beings. We are. And been redeemed. The angels have never been redeemed because they haven't sinned except the ones that followed Satan. I mean, that's a different story. We'll not get into that today. But as we look at this, we find that Christ is better than the angels. That's what we want to look at. Now let's read some more. He said, being made so much better than the angels. And as he hath by inheritance obtained, 
a more excellent name than they. Christ has a more excellent. You talk about angels sometimes and people think, whoo, but they, they lower rate Christ. He's above all creation. Nothing on the earth any better than him. Amen. I was looking at this and uh, I was thinking now, Lord, I was praying this morning and I was saying, Lord, you know, I'm a nothing. I'm just a created being out of the dust of the ground. And uh, I said, Lord, I don't know how man is made. I don't know how you done that. And the Holy Ghost said, where did I get the dust? Have you ever thought about that? Never thought of it in my life this morning. I was praying, Lord, where'd you get? I mean, the Holy Spirit said, where'd I get the dust? You said he just wiped it up. Did you know, I believe the garden didn't have no defilement in it. Let me ask you ladies, is dust something that you like? It's offensive, isn't it? Well, did God sprinkle dust in the garden? Well, no curse. Where did he get the dust to make man out of? He made it. Had to make the dust. So we're lower. I think I'm just dust the ground. I'm worse than that. I was a nothing. Amen. Still am, but by the grace of God. Amen. I just appreciate what the Lord's done. Amen. Well, that's just a little thought of the book of Hebrews this morning. That help you any? Bless my heart to get to teach it. Amen. To get to preach it and teach it. Teach some of it and preach some of it. I like it all. Amen. And I thank God for it. Let's pray for the service this morning that God will touch hearts and lives. And I may God add you. We'll go back to the book. Of Hebrews, I'm sure next week. I just don't know where we be. We didn't didn't get started good in that first four, but we will, and get down a little bit further. There's a lot of things in the book of Hebrews we need. It's a book we need very bad. All right, let's pray. Father, give us wisdom, and understanding. Draw us close to you today. May the Holy Ghost of God hover down over every heart and every life. Lord, thank you that you've given us the privilege and the opportunity to be here. Lord, thank you for the liberty to open the Word of God and not have to worry and hide. God, we can open it and preach it. And I pray, God, that we'll declare it wherever we are, in the church, out of the church, going down the road, or, Lord, in a place of business, or speaking to a friend. I pray, God, you'd help us to exalt the Word of God. We'll give you the praise, the glory, touch the remainder of the service. Use it all for your glory today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.